0: You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org.
1: But this series, uh, I know, has been speaking into my life in massive ways. One purpose, uh, about people connecting with Jesus. Come on, in all areas of life. And I just love how we just start with hearing how people uh, encounter God and what took place and where they met God. And so we're going to
0: just hear a a couple more testimonies of how people have connected with God, and we're going to jump straight into the message. So let's enjoy this. I remember the first time that I encountered Christ, and I was looking for more in my life. And so I thought, well, the place to find it would be to go to church. And so um, I put my baby in the pushchair and away I went. I didn't really know what it was like to have an encounter with God until that first summer camp. And just being hit with his presence at first go was really different for me. I remember when I was five years old and mum was putting me to bed and she asked me a question. She said, Tiff, do you really love Jesus? I was like, of course I do, Mom. Things was a bit tough in our marriage, um, my marriage, and one night my wife had a dream, and she realized when she woke up, she just said, look, she has to commit herself, and um, she's got to be saved. Um, That happened, um, and it went on for a few months. I saw the change in her, and I started attending church with her. And it was just, yeah, um, one service. I can't say what service it was, but my hand went up and I was
1: the first guy up front.
0: And that's when my life changed completely.
1: The series, if you haven't been here, and it's great to be connecting with Melbourne in Australia. We love you, everybody there at Life Melbourne and, of course, South and online here in Central. This whole thought of the real heart of the Father, I came into this year with this kind of theme that we've got, which is called more. And I I felt like it was just the tap of the Father that said to me, Paul, you realize my more is people. It actually is not about more stuff or even more breakthrough. It's about more people. And and, uh, this year, as I was thinking about it one more time, I thought it's so easy for us to live lives. Even those of us that have been in church understand the Bible to be true have a personal relationship with Jesus to live a life that is completely all about us. And uh, just the degree of our ability to be interrupted with the heart of the Father and the purpose of God. In fact, I was thinking this week, you know, if if we were to draw up a priority focus, starting at one and finishing with 10, I wonder in this last week or maybe during this series or even this whole year, how much have the priority of other people really being focused in our own response or is it that we get caught up in all of the doing and the being and it's kind of like when you're faced with the end of your life often at a funeral there will be things read by the person that knew death was coming and they would leave a message about the things that really matter the most and Jesus was like that he said in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15 he said you know all of us need to go into the world and bring the gospel. We need to bring the gospel to everybody that would listen. And uh, could it be for all of us that if we get the right foundation like the New Testament to church, we would see a breakthrough in the supernatural like we've never seen before. This whole thought of one purpose being people. And if you've been here for the series already, we've looked at the thought that we are the window through which people see. It's kind of like we are the reflection of heaven here on earth. And uh, that is a challenge because, you know, people are looking. We are all designed, created by God. And until we actually collide personally, not with religion, but with a relationship with God, we still go on looking. But we're the window through which people see. Not only that, we are the light that illuminates the pathway of hope. In other words, we've got to be hope bringers to everybody we connect and collide with. Come in, in your lounge room. This week, God is wanting you to be a hope bringer in Melbourne, here in Auckland. It's kind of like, we're the hope bringers. I was saying with the staff this week, did you realize, as we know, we are three parts. We are body, we are soul, and we are spirit. We spend most of our lives getting caught up in the external material world, our physical body world we have a soul. A soul is where our emotions are housed, where our feelings and our thinking takes place. But we are also a spirit. The moment we connect in a relationship with Jesus, our spirit becomes alive. And I said to the staff, we're going to learn to stand up in our spirit, man. Come on, according to the word of God, so often all we do is we spend our lives dominated by our soul, man. Whereas the Bible teaches you need to surrender your soul. In other words, your stance is alive in God, but in your feelings, you bow down before the truth of God's word over your life. And then you actively live that out. It's like, well, you know, I don't feel like reaching people right now. Hey, there's a lot of times I don't feel like it. A lot of times I don't feel like being in church. Well, oh, there wasn't even an amen. That's very encouraging. It's like, it's kind of like there, there are times where I know what's right, but I don't feel like doing what's right. Yes. But I don't let my soul man dictate to who I really am. I am according to God's word, come on, a spirit man that brings a change. And I am the pathway that illuminates hope to other people. It's kind of like, I am the light that helps that come to pass. Yes. I love what Pastor Bayliss brought, brought a couple of weeks ago here in Central and I love to write down things when people are speaking. One of the things I wrote that came from his message was this You know that some of the greatest miracles happen on the faintest of whispers. Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Right. If we live distracted and we're not tuned in, yeah. there are people all around us that God would just go, Would, would you just go over and say hi to them? Right. Yeah. Would, would you just make room? Would you just do something? Come on, the faintest of whispers can bring the greatest of miracles. Yeah. Another thing he said was this, or paraphrase people around us are praying to God right now for an answer that we're in possession of. It's like, God, I I need to know that somebody loves me. God, if you really care, where are you? And here we are. Come on. We're the pathway. We're the window. We're the arms. We're the extension of that. And then a pretty challenging message a couple of weeks ago before Easter, two choices, one outcome. We, we don't want to preach it today. We, we, we're in a society that everything's PC, no absolutes. And yet the Bible says that actually at the end of a human life, after death, there is a judgment. And at the end of that judgment, there are two outcomes. But there's one choice to be made. And the outcomes are heaven or hell. And people go, yeah, but God's a God of love. He, he doesn't put people in hell. God never created hell for humans. But we chose not to go God's way and go our own way. And therefore, in our sin, we separated ourselves from God because God is holy. And so God the Father sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be reunited for eternity. And by the way, whether we like it in the church or we don't, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Oh, yeah, but what about all these good people? You shouldn't even go there. The Bible says... Come on, there's one choice that creates two outcomes. When we begin to really understand that, we don't have to be fearful, but we should become motivated by the fact that we are, come on, the reflection of heaven here on earth. Today, I want to go on and I want to talk about we are the voice that enables God to be heard. In other words, if I'm not using my voice, my language, then where is the voice of God? whether it comes from the front row or the back row. It's kind of like, I love Ephesians one twenty three. It says the church we see is actually not the church that is peripheral to the world. Here in life, we, we believe that God has positioned us here in his timing, his way. Come on, we're not peripheral to the community we're in. The world is peripheral to the church. Why? Because God is the center of all things. And then I love how it goes on and says the church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts. And it's like, well, if I don't bring the tone of heaven through my speech, then the world is not going to hear that God loves me, that God understands me, that God has made a way for me to experience everything that he is. I want to go today to John chapter 4 and verse 3. Let's read a little bit of scripture, an account in the life of Jesus. It said, Jesus left Judea and departed again to Galilee. And I note verse 4, it says, but Jesus needed to go through Samaria. I just pondered that. When was the last time I felt like the Holy Spirit said, go a different way? It's like, that's not the way the Jews went, but he needed to go through Samaria. Well, Jesus, why why are we going through Samaria? Jews don't go through Samaria. The Samaritans are less than people, but he needed to go. No, we're going this way. Come on. When was the last time the Holy Spirit had an opportunity to interrupt and say, don't shop there, shop there. Oh, Oh, here's a good one. The Holy Spirit said, come early to church. Oh, there's a ripple going on. (laughs) Come on in south. Come early to church. On life, come, come out of online and on church. I know you're in another country, but maybe a church around. It's just like, what do you want me to do? He needed to go. He needed to go. Verse 6, Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, being wearied from his journey, midday, found a woman from Samaria coming out to draw water. Jesus said to her, you got to understand this. This is not done. The Jews didn't talk to Samaritans. Jesus said to her, would you give me a drink? It wasn't like, "Here, I'm elite and you'll serve me. It's like Jews had nothing to do with Samaritans to even talk to her. Would you you include me in your world? You're drawing water, but I want to be a part of where you're at. You see, his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. I I know this is going to be a little challenging today, but can I have license to be a bit challenging? I wonder how much of this week you spent going into the village to buy food. It's just been a busy week i got all the stuff i got to do. But you're just doing the stuff that, yes, you need to do. But Jesus was saying, no, the Holy Spirit compelled me to do something different. I'm here for the woman, and I, I'm hungry like everybody else. I'm weary. That's why I'm sitting down, and I need a drink. But I, I've got something else going on in my life. Then he, the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it? I, I thought you Christians were weird people. How is it? That you've come into my world, you're a Jew, and you asked to drink or get a drink from me? Jesus answered and said to her, verse 10, if you knew. Did you know that your family that haven't received Jesus yet, they might have heard about religion, don't know what it's really like to have a relationship with Jesus? If this world of our governments, if our business owners really knew what a relationship with Jesus does, changes everything. Yeah. Come on, his grace meets us. His figure forgiveness transforms us. We're not perfect, but we are transformed, being transformed into his image. If you knew, you would have asked from me. If you understood who I was to give you a drink. And that drink would give you living water the woman said to her in verse to him in verse 11 where where do you get this living water are you greater than the father jacob who built this well jesus answered and said to her verse 13 whoever drinks of this natural water is going to thirst again whoever gets the stuff that they've always known is always going to be hungry and thirsty never satisfied but the one who drinks the water that i shall give him will never thirst and logically, verse 11, this woman said, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor that I would come here and draw again. Verse 31, In the meantime, the disciples returned and urged Jesus, the rabbi, to eat. But he said to them, I've got food to eat, which you do not know. For my food is to do the will of my father who sent me and finish his work. I want to take a moment. Wherever we are today, whatever campus, online. Do you constantly find yourself, even though you have a relationship with Jesus, kind of going, what's it all about? Why is it so tough? Why, why is it that even though God promises so much, I feel so empty? Again, I looked at that this week and I thought, God, we need to understand that Jesus taught us a lesson that's profound. In other words, in verse 34, let's begin there. My food is to do the will of him that sent me. That's where I find the fulfillment of life is to live and to focus the father's purpose. Like I'm not, I'm not here just to go and get what I need. I'm not even in church just to get what I need. I want to hear what the father is longing to happen in the lives of people and I want to be engaged in that i 'm affected by the father 's heart in this year of more i don 't want this year to be a year here at life where it 's like, well, we just want more blessing, and we, yeah, blessing comes from God we don 't want to just build even in Central, a big building, come on ultimately in Melbourne, and what God has already done down south and will yet do, and all of the miracles that are in front it's kind of like, so what is the father 's purpose? Yeah, come on. You see what gets me up in the morning is the father 's heart it 's the Father's purpose, what keeps me sustained in the hardest of times. We've been looking at Acts chapter 20 where Paul writes, the apostle, and he says, I feel compelled to go to Jerusalem. Well, the Holy Spirit already told me there's prisonings and there's, there's misunderstanding and there's a whole lot of conflict and there's a whole lot of pain and there's a whole lot of things. But you know what? I'm here. He finishes by saying, to complete what the Father started. It's like... We are, that word compelled is to be chained to, to be literally attached to the heart of the Father. That we're not here just to have a great service where we have everything we need. And I think sometimes, and I'm as guilty as anyone else, is that we can spend our whole week. Think about your last week. All right, let's extend it. Let's think about our last month. Let's go back to the beginning of 2017. How much of it has actually just been about you? And the father's going, but there's people that don't know. And you and I are the voice that enables God to be heard. Jimmy Carter, former U.S. president, godly man, devout Christian, was speaking at an event on, again, Christian witnessing. And he told how his local church every year would take a week. And the people would come out, not just on Sunday, but go around the neighborhood, knock on doors and just connect see if they could help and if they had an opportunity to share faith he said that actually for the last 14 years no matter how busy he was he went every time this week took place and he shared with them how that 140 homes about 10 a year he'd gone into over 14 years and been able to share just something of the goodness of the grace and the gospel of Jesus pretty profound he said well after I had finished sharing I went home and I thought about it and I thought When I was running for governor of Georgia in 1966, I actually met, shook hands for over 300,000 people in a three-month window. He said 300,000 connections, verse 140. He realized that even in all the goodness, it was still way off track. Father's focus. Yeah, but Paul... You know, I've been a Christian for a long time and my life feels empty. Get on the Father's focus. Your life will come alive. It's kind of like that's where it begins. Not only that, in verse 9, the woman of Samaria said to Jesus, How is it that here you are a Jew that you would ask a drink from me? Who's a Samaritan woman? For me, the second thought about reaching people with the gospel is, Come on, we're going to engage in the Father's purpose. But also... We need to activate inclusion. The activation of including everybody in our world. It's kind of like the church is known to be bigots. It's kind of like we're known for what we're against rather than the things we're for. And I I think sometimes, you know, I remember when we were renovating our home in Manly... And uh, that's where we're living and, and, and the door was open and we just poured the concrete and this lady was walking with her kids and her, her husband up the road and she just stopped and she says, wow, I love what you've done to the concrete. We've just done normal concrete, but we put a little bit of black oxide so it was a little grayer and, and she said, wow, I love that. I said, oh, cool. I appreciate that. She said, we're, we're thinking about doing a driveway ourselves and we love that. And I go, well, that's cool. Would you like to come and look? Oh, no. She said, no, 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 this is your place. I said, Yeah. But you can come and have a look. No, 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 no. I wouldn't, I wouldn't dream of including myself in you. I said, come on in. In fact, come and see the whole driveway. I looked around. Marie wasn't around. Come and see the house. <laughs> Is it clean? Oh, it's clean. As far as I'm concerned, it's clean. Come on. And I could tell, come on, just in everyday life, the sense of, you're including me? I wonder if where we work come on and where we live people go these people man they haven't got all of their guards up it's kind of like that that people of inclusion well, what do you mean a Jew doesn't talk to a Samaritan i do i'm here for you i believe in that we are the voice <laughs> that enables God to be heard. A, a couple of weeks ago, after Pastor Bayless was here, we went up for a couple of days fishing up north, and uh, with some friends' boats, we we're in the driveway, and, and and one night we got in the cleaning the boat, we're cleaning the boats, and this guy walks down the drive, and I go, He's just he, he's somebody that had just moved in, apparently, just the house up the hill. You could see the house, and he'd seen the boats, and he was just curious had they caught any fish. And he came down and I thought, I know you. He didn't know I was there, and then I walked towards him. I said, I do know who you are. So I yelled out his name and he just stopped. And it was like, oh my gosh, I know you. (laughs) You know how sometimes, and I don't know if it was awkward for him. It certainly wasn't for me. But it was like, there was a moment where I was like, okay, what's going down here? These two people know each other. Something's going down. And we got to talking. They had just moved into a house next door, the place we were staying at where we were fishing. And I... I just began to talk to them. That years and years and years and years ago, they'd gone through some stuff, and I and I found out that they had just bought that house. And I go, "That's cool, awesome." I said, "I don't know if you're free tonight, but can I come up for a coffee?" <laughs> I mean, no, a free coffee is always good. And I'm not saying they weren't ready to include me, but I was ready to be included. We went up, we just talked about stuff, just life. Amazing at one point I had this tear running down my cheek. And I had a sense and I saw tears in their eyes. Been through a lot of stuff. We just started talking about life and I said, you guys should come down to life conference. Honey, you should come down to sisters. I know you'd love it. Been involved in church life way back. Still are involved. Still have a walk with God. But it was just like a moment. They said, uh, we'd love to. See, I, I think there's a whole lot of people that are wanting a whole lot of answers that are yet to be included. She marveled that he would take time to talk to her lady sitting behind me at the 840 service this morning. Grace. She said, Pastor Paul, thanks. Hope you enjoyed the message. No, thanks very much. She said, for 30 years. I was looking for the answer I found in Jesus. Not one person told me. When I heard it. I immediately responded. No voice, no hearing. Busy buying the food in the city, which is not wrong. Whereas Jesus goes, I'm here for you. Come on, he was prepared to cross enemy lines. So they thought they were enemy lines. There's no such thing as enemy lines. I read this account of the Second World War. Soldiers serving in France... One of their comrades was killed in battle and they wanted being in another nation to give him the right kind of burial. They found this lovely little cemetery that had a low stone wall surrounding it next to a really picturesque Catholic church. Just the place they thought would be the right place to bury him. As they were looking, they were approached by the priest and they asked whether they could bury their friend because of what he knew to be the rules he responded by going well if he wasn't baptized a catholic he can't be buried here sensing the soldier's disappointment he said listen let's there's a nice spot just outside the wall let's bury him there so reluctantly they did next day the soldiers returned to pay their final respects before they moved on to their comrade and they couldn't find his grave said to one another surely we're mistaken this this is this is strange he was here last night confused they saw the priest walk towards them and he said to them last night I was troubled all night that we had buried your friend outside of the cemetery walls if you look carefully you'll see that overnight I moved the fence (laughs) you know the truth of God doesn't change no matter what you think or feel We're in a church where we're compromising the truth of God's word. Well, not in this church, by God's grace. Talking about a church world that's diluting it down to people's expectation. But when it comes to inclusion, there are no walls. You you don't like that. Don't stick around here. Because anybody's welcome here. There are no walls here. The the power of inclusion has got to be on the pathway of us reaching people. Come on, we're going to focus the Father's purpose. We're going to activate inclusion. Verse 10, I love what Jesus said to her. If you knew the gift of God, if you just understood what God was doing inside of me, who the Father is to me, if you just understood I'm not perfect, that's my response to people, but there is something of God in me. And thirdly, it's like, you know, if we're going to reach people, let's testify. Let's, Let's let people know about the life we've experienced in God. He testified his life experience. It's kind of like there's great attraction when people don't hear your religious garbage, but they hear your testimony. Come on, Revelation teaches us this that we overcome the enemy. How? By the blood of the Lamb. That's why every religion does not make a way to heaven. There is only one way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. It's the blood of the Lamb that cancels the sin of humanity. It's not just the blood of the Lamb. I can't institute the blood of the Lamb. I can just receive what He has done for me. But then it says the power of our testimony. Come on, you are got to start to let people know, you know, I was blind, but now I see. I, I was in rebel mode. I was deconstructed on the inside. But I, and I'm not perfect yet, but God is walking with me. And His power is beginning to change me. And the things that I couldn't see, I now can see. I love the power of a testimony. Somebody came up again after the first service and said, have you ever heard of the East Stanley Jones? I said, I have, but I don't know much about him. Send it to me. He said, here he was, a Christian statesman and missionary. Involved with many people, even with a noble peace. He said that his pastor asked him if he would preach and he was just taken back. He spent weeks and weeks preparing His first time to preach as a young man, he got up and not one word would come out. He felt so embarrassed, not even when he tried to bring a word would it come out. He went back to his seat, completely confused, completely embarrassed. And he says, and the Holy Spirit tapped him on the shoulder with a lesson he would never forget the rest of his life. He felt the Holy Spirit say to him, hey, listen, God doesn't need a prosecutor. He needs somebody to bring a testimony. We're not here to point the finger and tell people what's wrong with them. We're here to tell them about what God did. Come on, for us. Let's go to the screen and have a look at Artemis' story.
0: So, I born in a very religious Muslim family. It's compulsory. You can't choose to become a Muslim. You are a Muslim. My teacher, he was an Indian teacher, and uh, he was an Iranian, of course, and he was um, Christian. He suggested me to go to church, and I said, no, no, because I'm Muslim, and no way. Islam is the best. It was months after months. I believe it was like six months he kept asking. And then my parents said, why don't you go to church and pray? I didn't have a plan to become a Christian, just was curious, and I always, when I went there, I felt peace, something that I didn't have it at, you know, as a Muslim. When I was at home, I had no peace. All my family noticed how much I changed, so they couldn't, like, deny it. And I give the Bible to my, uh, one of my sisters, she started reading, and I invited her to church. And yeah, so she became a Christian, and also like, like my rest of my siblings and my mom the same. Some of my friends run away from home or going to jail or lost their lives because of their Christian faith. So I didn't want to go through the same things. So that's why I planned uh, to come to New Zealand. My dad, um, he had a car accident, he lost his memory and because he was so old, he was 73, doctor said he can't walk and uh, anymore, and also he lost totally his memory. We pray for him, and he received healing, and now he became a Christian. And it's so interesting how he read Bible every day. It has been a privilege to see how my entire family, my siblings, my niece and nephews, my friends became a Christian through me. Even I can't count how many.
1: Amazing, huh? just a disclaimer up front if you're 73 or older we apologize (laughs) somebody missed the edit we can debate theology as long as time exists but you can't take away from somebody their personal experience your testimony mixed with the power of the blood of the lamb the enemy can't stop the blood of the lamb but he can stop your testimony Again, in verse 16, Jesus goes on and he says, go and call your husband and come here. It's a profound thing, isn't it, when you hear from God about something. She responds to him and says, I have no husband. Jesus said, you're right, you've had five. And the guy you're living with right now is not your husband. How do you think you'd feel? Jesus wasn't there to expose her, but to touch what was going on on the inside of her. When you think about it, to have five husbands, come on, how many know? One's enough. (laughs) To train one, how many would say, are you loud? Amen. That's like, we're not going around that bush again. We'll have five of them. There was obviously heart issues. I think if we're going to reach those that live with us, the fourth thing we need to do is related heart level. Come on, let's not just talk about surface stuff when there's an opportunity. The Holy Spirit can direct us to heart levels. Don't react to reaction. Just ask the Holy Spirit to help you to get to the heart level. As we display unconditional love and we touch the heart, it unlocks the heart. And God can guide us rather than going, well, I'll never want to hear. No, deeper down, there's a huge difference to what we see externally and what actually lives deeper down. And I just want to encourage you that I, I try to do that now instead of reacting or, you know, I was recently in somewhere where somebody was just baiting the conversation and I thought, well, in the past, I would have taken the bait and given a strong perspective. I just found myself, fell, Holy Spirit, what should I do right now? Let's just back off. Just don't take the bait. Just let it run its course. By the end of the night, there was an opportunity for me to go past the bait and just say, I think Maybe we're asking these kind of questions, are we? Go to the heart of the matter. Come on. You might have been praying for people for a long time. Do you know that all of us have a deeper issue? Most of us are living out a lot of what we've been through. It's like, I'm not into that. That's cool. Whatever we think or sense we're all about is not often the case. There's a deeper issue to that. And then in verse 28, as the team come and join me here in Central... The woman left her water pot, went into the city and said to the man, or the men, come and see a man. This is amazing. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They went out to the city and they came to him. Do you know that Jesus was committed enough, not just to be about the father's purpose. He was, but he engaged long enough until the encounter. I think if we can be the kind of people that are going to love people, whatever their responses, wherever they're at on their journey, we're just going to stay engaged. Whatever it takes. Come on. I'm thankful. I've got a God. Whatever it takes. You're watching online. South. Come on. You're in Melbourne this morning. You're here at Central. I'm telling you, God's standing there going, whatever it takes. Yeah, but you should. I should have known better. I've stuffed up. i failed God. God says, yes, you should have known better. But I know that you didn't do what you knew better to do. And I'm still here. I'm waiting for you to come back. Oh, don't let her go to the city. She might not, never come back. I'll stay. If you're back in an hour, you're back here tonight, I'll still be here. I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for what God wants to do through you. The seriousness, seriousness of eternity. Stands before every individual. He engaged until the encounter one purpose. It's people. You and I are the voice. (laughs) That enables God to be heard. So I go for a walk, hypothetically, one night. I live in a neighborhood. I know my neighbors pretty well. I walk past. I can see through the, the curtains. Oh, that's right. It's Tuesday night. It's family night they have movie night, family night. Look at them. Kids are there and everybody's around the TV enjoying a great movie. On the far end of the house, I can smell smoke and then I can see a flame. And I go, oh my gosh, I've got to yell out. The house is on fire. But then all of a sudden, I stand there and I go, but they they look so happy. And it's family night. They've been so busy. They're right in the middle of the movie and Maybe they'll get upset if I interrupt. Would I be classified as a lunatic or a hero? Come on. Those we study with, those we hang out with, those that are family and friends, we're the voice. And I'm not here saying any of us you know my heart is not to force anything on anyone but if there's not dialogue coming from a mouth the voice of God will not be heard my prayer is that all of us come on will begin to look at our lives and maybe it's a great exercise over the next month one to ten how would you rate yourself being on the father's purpose being focused to going I'm looking for somebody I I felt like the Holy Spirit just say, come early to church. Look for someone. I felt like the Holy Spirit say, just felt compelled to do something else. And I'm looking not just to do the thing, but I'm looking for who's there. Because you know what? God knows where everyone's at. Yeah. And he knows what everyone needs. Yeah. He needs hands. He needs windows. He needs voices. Because the reality is eternity stands before all of us. Father, today we we pray somehow, not in a condemning way, but the seriousness of eternity and the wonder of what happens when a human life collides with a loving Savior. How forgiveness frees us, begins to unlock the residue of our past and sets us on a course of peace and grace and purpose. We pray right now that you'd meet us exactly where we're at today. In Jesus' name.
0: We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this
1: message, visit lifenz.org.